G'day folks, welcome back to the Ubuntu Security Podcast. It's episode 214, I'm Alex Murray. We've had a couple of weeks off, I was on a break last week, but back in the podcast chair this week and we will have a few more episodes before the end of the year, so we're going to have one next week and likely the week after as well, but that will probably be the last one for 2023 and then we'll be back on deck uh, late January I expect next year, but we'll have more on that in the next few weeks. And yeah, given the time we've been off, we've got a lot of CVEs and updates to get through this week. So we're going to go straight into uh, the package updates for the week and probably leave it at that. Uh, one thing that I was hoping to talk about on this week's episode, but which uh, we're going to leave till next week, is uh, the announcement from the OpenSSF of their recommended compiler hardening options. One of the Ubuntu security team members, Mark Esler, was involved in that. And so I want to get Mark uh, on the podcast to talk us more through that. So we will do that next week. But like I said, let's get into uh, the roundup of security fixes that the Ubuntu security team has fixed from the past couple of weeks. So there were 115 unique CVEs addressed by the team, a hell of a lot. So let's just get into that. So up first, there was an update for FRR, uh, the BGP daemon. This is for Ubuntu 22.04, and 23.10. Uh, two, both of these were reported by uh, a network pen tester from Amazon. Uh, appears to be fuzzing FRR. Um, both of these are different crashes then that can be triggered remotely, obviously, uh, and uh, resulting in a denial of service. So similarly, Quagga was affected by one of those and Quagga was the precursor to FRR. FRR is like a fork or kind of almost renaming of um, the Quagga project. So yeah, it suffered still from one of those CVs in that older code base plus one uh, that I talked about previously back in episode 181 for FRR as well. Uh, That was an out-of-bounds read that was fixed there for Quagga too. HTML tidy was updated. Uh, in this case, uh, it implemented its HTML parsing library as a recursive algorithm and therefore uh, could be uh, subject to certain types of attack if you had given it a deeply nested document to parse it would end up uh, essentially exhausting all of the stack and therefore running into potentially the heap and causing memory corruption and the like uh, that was fixed by re-implementing that parser as an iterative loop with its own heap based stack then to handle uh, the different allocations that it needed uh, and that was fixed all the way back to Ubuntu 2004 LTS and all the releases since as part of uh, Patch Tuesday, .NET was updated for our more recent releases uh, for a couple of CVEs, so 2204, 2304, and 2310. Uh, Open VPN was updated for a couple of issues that only affect more recent releases, so that's uh, 2304 and 2310. Uh, both of these were denial of service issues. One, a use after free, but hadn't, I don't think, been able to show uh, to be able to be used for uh, code execution, but the other one was a possible divide by zero. Both of those fixed there for OpenVPN. Then we had an update for Intel Microcode, uh, and this is for uh, Tavis Ormandy from Google Project Zero's latest uh, microprocessor bug, dubbed Reptar. And uh, I talked about uh, work that he had done back in uh, earlier episodes when we were talking about the Zenbleed vulnerability in AMD CPUs. And uh, Tavis found this in a very similar way using the same technique, but in this time, in this time, it's obviously in Intel processors. Uh, so the way that he does this uh, can kind of essentially be thought of as a bit similar to fuzzing, but instead of trying to generate random input to find unexpected behavior, uh, he does generate some random input in the sense of instruction sequences to give the processor to execute. 
and then uh, generate an equivalent version of that by doing things like adding random alignment to the instructions, adding serialization to the instructions, and then adding memory fence instructions as well. So different things that shouldn't change the behavior of the instructions that are being executed. Then, And then the idea is that then you execute both versions of those instructions and you look at the output. And if you see a difference either in what the processor does or the behavior of the processor, then you can assume that you've triggered some underlying you know, behavior of the hardware and that it's pro- uh, likely acting incorrectly in one of those instances. You know, perhaps you've uh, elucidated some underlying microarchitectural behavior from the processor, but either way, it indicates likely the presence of a bug in the hardware that you could then uh, exploit as a vulnerability to cause different undesired effects. And that's exactly what uh, Tavis found in this case. He found a certain sequence of instructions, and he's got details of that all in his blog, but to keep this a little bit shorter, I won't go into full details, but essentially found a certain sequence of instructions that in general for x86 should be ignored, but which instead could cause the processor to trigger a machine check exception. So that's basically where the processor has detected that it's in such an invalid state that it says, I'm throwing up my hands, I'm not going to continue executing at all. Um, and he could trigger this even from an unprivileged guest VM. So the idea that, you know, you're say running, I don't know, a VM on uh, Amazon or Google or something like that, and then you can trigger the host CPU uh, to completely lock up is the kind of thing that gets cloud providers and they're like quite worried, as you can imagine. And that's exactly this what this bug was able to do. Now, uh, Tavis also theorized that since they can cause these machine check exceptions by corrupting various internal states of the processor, he thought it could potentially get privilege escalation if you could control that corruption in the right way and with enough precision. But since he's not been able to really debug the microarchitectural state of the processor, it's not then easy to develop such a proof of concept to really understand well enough what's going on inside the processor when this happens. Uh, but to cut it long story short, it reported the issue to Intel. They've released this microcode update to fix the issue. We've now released that for all Ubuntu releases. Uh, and as well, the Tavis released a proof of concept tool that you can use to try to reproduce the issue and test whether it's been fixed. So yeah, that's all in his blog and I've got a link to that in the show notes if you want to go and read more. But yeah, you've now got updated Intel microcode to handle that as well. Uh, we had a single CVE then in INI parser for Ubuntu releases 22.04 LTS and those since. Uh, possible null pointer dereference on crafted input there. The Avahi daemon was updated for five CVEs and that goes all the way back to Ubuntu 14.04 which is available as part of Ubuntu Pro and then all the way through to Ubuntu 23.10, the Mantic Minotaur, the latest uh, interim release for Ubuntu. All of these were various assertions that could be triggered through crafted input. Avahi is like the local uh, discovery service in Linux, uh, comes from macOS, uh, and so it's the kind of thing where a local attacker on your LAN could then potentially cause the local Avahi daemon on your machine to crash. So yeah, those have all been fixed there. Tang, uh, the system used for doing things like cryptographic uh, attestation of your machine, uh, was fixed for a race condition that could be uh, triggered when, or a race condition that existed when generating keys or rotating keys. When doing that, it would write those out to a file and then it would set the permissions so that only uh, root could read them. Uh, it would set those uh, those permissions appropriately. But you can imagine there's a very small time window there where uh, the file is readable by other users and other processes on the system before it has those permissions fixed up. And it's possible to race that against uh, Tang and be able to read those before uh, you get restricted from that. 
And the fix for that is pretty straightforward. You just have to set a restrictive UMask that means that the restrictive permissions get set when the file gets created without then having to go and fix them up afterwards. So that was fixed for Tang. Uh, what else? We had a bunch of updates for a few other packages here. What else? StrongSwan, uh, WebQTTK, Node.js, uh, HibAgent. Uh, Mosquito was fixed, uh, MQTT implementation. Uh, this had a bunch of different memory leaks that could be triggered through crafted packets resulting in a denial of service. Uh, also excessive CPU usage when parsing a connect request from a client that used a large number of user properties, again leading to denial of service. Uh, and also a logic bug where it would fail to revoke existing subscriptions when a topic sub subscription itself is revoked in some cases. Uh, and that would then mean the existing subscribers would still get notified and you would then get uh, an info or privacy leak as a result of that. And you know, talking about denial of service attacks against MQTT, this is often used in embedded contexts. So you know, not too um, hard to be able to denial of service those platforms which have limited memory or limited CPU. So it's good to see those ones being fixed for MQTT. Oh, we had another update for FRR, the BGPD daemon that I talked about uh, first up in this episode. In this case, we've got more issues discovered by the same researcher, Iggy Frankovic at Amazon, as I say, seemingly through fuzzing of FRR. So we've got an use after free and out of bounds read and a couple others there as well that were fixed. A timing side channel was fixed in GNU TLS, uh, and this was during uh, RSA PSK client key exchange, so appreciate key uh, for RSA. In this case, the response time would vary if you gave it malformed ciphertext compared to when using the correct um, amount of padding in the ciphertext. And this is pretty similar to a historical CVE uh, from earlier in the year. Uh, in that case, uh, the same issue was fixed in the implementation for regular RSA, but no one noticed that there was essentially the same code in RSA appreciate key that also needed to be fixed as well, but that now has been done obviously. And it's a bit of an old adage, I guess, if you wanna find a vulnerability, go look near other previous vulnerabilities and obviously by the same token if you are uh, a project that has a vulnerability reported go and look for similar sorts of code and similar things in your project because it's likely if you've got one you may have others that are very similar and should all be fixed together at the same time lots of code bases have lots of code in them that gets copied and pasted around and duplicated within itself so yeah make sure you know you have a good look if you do get a vulnerability reported against you or hey if you're hunting for a new bug go look for some old ones Okay, uh, we had an update for Squid for five vulnerabilities. Uh, a bit of an interesting story around this one. So back in early 2021, an individual did a security audit of Squid. They found 55 different vulnerabilities. These were then reported to the upstream project and at the time a few CVEs were assigned but a lot of them went without any fix. Uh, and so you can imagine two and a half years has gone by since then. Um, the... Uh, Upstream reporter of this says, that unfortunately, the Squid project is understaffed and they hadn't had the resources to fix all the issues. They decided that they were tired of waiting in the end uh, for this. You know, 900 days has gone by uh, since then, basically. And so they've now publicly released the details of all their findings. And I've got a link to that in the show notes if you want to go and read more. Uh, as I say, all of these 55 different uh, vulnerabilities. A mix of CVE IDs has been assigned for these and some have got um, GitHub security advisories for them as well, but some of them haven't got any identifier assigned against them at all yet. 
and uh, those ones you know are are not yet fixed so there are still a bunch of security issues in squid that are as yet unfixed by upstream and unfixed by all the downstreams like ubuntu and others unfortunately um, this update though does contain fixes for all the cves that have been assigned so far but as i said there are still other security issues here that likely might need a cves assigned for them and fixes developed for them obviously so yeah expect more updates for squid in the future we're gonna have to keep an eye on that one then uh, the kernel team has been busy releasing a heap of updates. So if you're running uh, Ubuntu, you've likely got a kernel update that you need to install over the past couple of weeks. Um, of those updates, there's a couple high priority vulnerabilities there that I just wanted to touch on briefly. One of those was a logic issue in the handling of the X2 AVIC machine specific register in uh, the KVM nested virtualization implementation on AMD processors. So basically if you're running an AMD processor and you're doing nested virtualization with KVM, you're likely affected by this. In that case, it could allow an attacker in a guest VM to cause a crash on the host kernel and therefore a denial of service against uh, the host kernel itself. And the other issue here was a use after free in the error handling code in uh, the SMB file system. So a local attacker could use that to potentially escalate their privileges. Uh, so yeah, those and a heap of other vulnerabilities have been fixed across uh, pretty well all the kernels in the different Ubuntu releases. And so to go with those kernel updates, a live patch update has been released as well. Uh, that covers 16 different CVEs, uh, almost all of those are high priority with a few mediums thrown in there as well. Uh, this live patch is available uh, for kernels going all the way back to 14.04 and live patch is available through Ubuntu Pro and Ubuntu Pro is free on up to five machines for personal use as well. So you know, don't be afraid to go and sign up for that and make, uh, make use of all the goodness that comes through there. Uh, you can see the details uh, that you need, you know, which live patch version you need to be running uh, in the show notes if you need or obviously in the upstream advisory or you can just check that by running canonical live patch status in your terminal uh, we had an update then for tracker miners now this is related to uh, vulnerability that we saw earlier in the year so back in episode 211 i talked about uh, this vulnerability that was announced by kevin backhouse at github and the vulnerability itself at that time was in the libq library so for parsing of q uh, sheet files in that case, uh, he was able to exploit that vulnerability via the use of tracker miners. So if you're not familiar, tracker is uh, the kind of desktop search and indexing system on uh, Ubuntu. It goes and in the background indexes all the different documents that are on your system, you know, parsing all of these various different complicated file formats. And as you can imagine, it therefore is a likely target for uh, different kinds of exploits because you've got something, you know, a bit like you can imagine AV scanners go and try to scan every file and parse every file. Well, this is doing exactly that um, but for the purpose obviously of you allowing you to search those documents in the future um, and so uh, tracker the upstream tracker developers uh, were you know had security in mind they'd implemented a pretty good sandbox using seccomp uh, to make sure that when the different processes that were indexing these documents were running they were tightly locked down and wouldn't be able to do anything but in that first vulnerability that Kevin found, uh, he found a way of bypassing that uh, setcomp sandbox, essentially by deferring uh, the kind of work that he needed to do to the main thread that wasn't sandboxed and you know, outside of the, uh, the threads that were. And so the upstream tracker developers have now deployed additional hardening to ensure that all the threads that are used by tracker miners are now sandboxed. And that's what this fix here is now delivering. So the more recent Ubuntu releases like 2204 and onwards, uh, that is now rolled in there. So your tracker miners is now a little bit more hardened than it used to be. But as I say, it's always been quite hardened. 
what else? We had an update for NGHTDP2 uh, for the rapid reset attack that was announced earlier in the year. Um, we had an update for the Apache web server itself, uh, another HTTP2 uh, protocol related uh, vulnerability here, but this was just a denial of service. Uh, very so this attack is very similar to the historical slow Loris attack where you can essentially get, uh, well, you can essentially respond so slowly to the server that you end up having it consume many more resources than you are as an attacker. Uh, to fix this though required backporting of the entire version of the HTTP2 module from uh, the 2.0.10 release of Apache to the earlier releases. So uh, to get that fixed on Ubuntu 20.04 LTS and 22.04 LTS required that um, Herculean effort of backporting that. And so I want to just do a quick shout out to Mark Delorier on our team for handling all of that and for all the testing that went involved in that as well. Thank you, Mark. Uh, we had an update for Firefox to the latest upstream version 120.0 and uh, you know, looking through the issues fixed here I thought one stood out to me which was a Linux specific issue when running under x11 and I assume that is also when running under x Wayland as well if you are running uh, Wayland uh, but then running Firefox without uh, enabling Wayland there then it would be running under x Wayland. In that case when uh, copying text using the selection API internal to Firefox the text would then be copied into the primary selection and uh, what that is if you're not familiar is uh, if you go and highlight a piece of text uh, in, uh, in in X you can then go and just paste that by using the middle mouse button without having to you know press control C or anything like that to actually explicitly copy it to the clipboard in that case it goes into this selection called the primary selection and I'd say it allows you just to kind of quickly uh, copy and paste text using your middle mouse button and selecting it uh, but yeah just by using the API it would then copy it into there and so allow kind of text that was in the primary selection previously to be overwritten so that has been fixed uh, what else we've got an open zfs issue fixed so uh, this is a cve from 2013 the older cve patched in quite a while i would say in ubuntu but uh, the CVE itself hasn't, well, the vulnerability has existed since 2013, but the CVE itself hasn't. Uh, this was originally reported to the OpenZFS project back in November 2013, so just over 10 years ago now. Uh, and the issue was that when uh, sharing your OpenZFS share uh, over IPv6, it would fail to properly parse that IPv6 address. And then when setting up the share, it would end up sharing that to everybody, not just the intended IPv6 address that you had uh, specified. Now, the issue languished upstream. Eventually, a CVE got assigned in February 2021, so that was still eight years later, and then was fixed uh, about six months after that, so in October 2021, and now that release is in OpenZFS in Ubuntu. Uh, and then uh, we've got a few other updates here. Uh, an update for OpenVSwitch for a single CVE where it failed to properly handle OpenFlow rules for ICMP v6 neighbor advertisements. Uh, so in some cases it would match against the wrong rules. And so if you had an attacker that could load certain rules into uh, OVS and that would then allow it to potentially cause other traffic to be redirected contrary to your expectations and that would then result in an info leak. And I guess finally we had an update for Thunderbird uh, to the latest upstream release, 115.5.0, and that is for all the recent Ubuntu releases. So 20.04 LTS, 22.04 LTS, 23.04 and 23.10. And we had some updates for Perl, LibTomMath, Python, AFFLib, uh, EC2 HibAgent, and a few others as well. But hey, I've gone on long enough about security updates for this week, so let's call it a wrap on that. 
Okay, so yeah, before we close out this week's episode, I do want to say uh, make sure you tune in next week because I plan to have an interview with Mark Esler from our team uh, discussing the OpenSSF's recent announcement of their uh, suggested compiler hardening things that all distros and others that are compiling software should be using. So yeah, make sure you check that one out. But until then, I say thanks for listening again, as always. Uh, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can always email us, security at ubuntu.com. You can come and chat with us in the Ubuntu security channel on libera.chat, the IRC network. And we are on Mastodon at Ubuntu security at fosterdon.org over there as well. So I'll be back again with you all next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. All right, bye.